the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And yet when we serve Christ, we can expect, and I can assure you, that there will be misunderstandings, there will be people who will misinterpret our actions, and as in the case of Christ, they will make inaccurate conclusions about our lives. And it hurts especially when it comes from believers. If you're a Christ follower, I'm pretty sure you've experienced the pain of being misunderstood. In fact, I'm going through that right now with someone. It hurts, doesn't it? And how we handle that heartbreak has a profound effect on the believability of our testimony. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve is launching into his concluding message in our series from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 about hindrances to the gospel. If you have your Bible, I invite you to follow along. Here's Pastor Steve to show us how Paul endured the trials of hurtful human misinterpretations. Well, let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We want to continue our study in 2 Corinthians, and we're actually finishing what is a mini-series within this whole series on the list that Paul gives us of what he endured for his service for Christ. And I'm going to read to you verses 9 and 10, which is the concluding, these are the concluding two verses of this list. Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, as unknown, yet well-known, as dying, yet behold, we live. As punished, yet not put to death. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing all things. I think that the most misunderstood person in all of history was and remains to this day Jesus Christ. During one of his encounters with the Pharisees, his healing ministry was interpreted as being satanic. They constantly did things like that. He did something and they interpreted it and twisted it and, and came up with some erroneous conclusion. They said this man casts out demons by Beelzebub, the Lord and ruler of the demons. On another occasion, they accused him of being a Samaritan, which was not a compliment. A Samaritan in Old Testament times, and actually there are Samaritans who are alive today, a community of Samaritans. But a Samaritan was a mixed breed of Jew and Gentile who, who came up with a paganized form of Judaism. They were despised by the Jewish people, absolutely despised. To call Jesus a Samaritan was the equivalent of calling him demonic. And once when our Lord was confronting the Jewish leaders about being physical descendants of Abraham and telling them that they really had had Satan as their father, they implied to him that he was an illegitimate son born out of fornication between Joseph and Mary. Constantly, they did things like that. During his ministry on earth, he was charged not only with all these things that we mentioned, but in addition to that, they said he was a Sabbath breaker because he healed on the Sabbath. To be a Sabbath breaker meant that you were worthy of, of death. 
They said that he was crazy. He was out of his mind. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. He's lost his senses. They also accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard, our Lord. Though Jesus was none of these things, some people took his words, they took his actions, and they, they twisted them and came up with erroneous conclusions about his identity and his true mission. Now, if this happened to Jesus, then it should not surprise us that those who minister in the name of Jesus Christ have to deal with erroneous charges and false accusations against themselves. On more than one occasion, Jesus made reference to the fact that he said the slave is not greater than his master, meaning this, that if they treated him as the master in a certain way, then it shouldn't surprise us that they would treat his servants in the same manner. And certainly this was true of the Apostle Paul. Nowhere else is this clearer than in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And while the, the entire letter of 2 Corinthians is really centered around Paul defending himself against the charges of false teachers, they said he was a false apostle, they said he was a, a crook, they said he was a liar, all of this, yet in chapter 6 he gives us a specific list of how uh, he was viewed by those who either opposed his ministry or were swayed by the false teachers to be suspicious of his ministry. Now, we've been looking at, these, at this list for the last few weeks. You may not realize it, but this is actually part seven, at least in my notes. It's part seven of, of this list. And these two verses, nine and ten, are the concluding parts of the, the long list that Paul gave. And the purpose for him giving this list is to prove that he was a legitimate servant of Christ. It all goes back to verse 4. He says, But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God in much endurance. In much endurance. In other words, the way he sets out to prove his legitimacy is to reveal that uh, he endured. He endured so much, so much suffering and so many trials in his service for Christ. Why did he, why did he do this? Why did he... Why did he go to this effort to list all the things that he endured? Because he was telling them that his endurance and perseverance proves that he genuinely represented Jesus Christ. Why else would he put up with this? Why else would anybody go through all of this? You just walk away. False apostles wouldn't put up with this. Only a genuine servant belonging to the Lord would endure all of these trials and all of this suffering for the cause of Christ and just persevere in it. And that's why... He gives this list of, of sufferings, and he gives uh, specifics about it. In verses 4 and 5, he tells us that uh, physically he was beaten many times. Many times he was put in prison. He was attacked by angry mobs. He experienced sleep and food deprivation. He tells us he was often tired to the point of sheer exhaustion. And yet, with all of these physical types of trials and persecutions Paul endured, he endured with godly behavior. That's, that's what's so amazing. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. He didn't lash out at God. Why did you do this to me? Notice verse 6, he tells us about his, his response in the midst of all of this. He says, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. This is saying that he endured all of these things with this type of behavior and these attitudes. Now, how did he do it? He did it by using the spiritual resources that God had provided. And he mentions this in verse 7. And we've looked at this. I'm just sort of giving you the flow of the passage. In the word of truth, he says that's, that's how he endured. He, he endured by the gospel. When he was attacked, he went back to the gospel. That's the word of truth. 
he stood for the truth of, of Scripture, the truth of salvation by grace. He also said he endured in the power of God. That is to say that, that Paul didn't think that he was out there on his own. He endured by relying upon the Lord and his power and the power of the Spirit of God to change lives. He also says he endured by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. The weapons of righteousness are the various truths of Scripture, the, the summation of God's word. He endured by always going back to the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. Now, the last time we studied 2 Corinthians, we began to look at another trial, a very difficult trial that Paul had to endure, and perhaps the most difficult of all, and that is the, the trial of being misjudged, the trial of, of public opinion. Verse 8 tells us this, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true. Paul experienced one of the uh, interesting paradoxes of the ministry. It's one that all ministers experience. Some people loved Paul and others loathed him. They, they hated him. Some people spoke well of Paul and others slandered him. And not only slandered him, but they slandered him behind his back. Some people regarded Paul as a deceiver, as a phony, as a fake, as a fraud. And others regarded him as the true apostle that he was. And like Jesus, he was appreciated and highly esteemed by some. And by others, he was despised and misjudged. Some correctly interpreted his greatness and realized that a man like this is unique, that, that we'll not see another Apostle Paul, and others misinterpreted everything about him. That's what Paul is essentially saying in verse 8. Now this morning we want to continue and we want to conclude our study of the paradoxes involved in Paul's life and ministry. But the paradoxes that he mentions in verses 9 and 10 are somewhat different than the ones that he mentioned in verse 8. In verse 8, he told us about the, the contrasting views people held uh, towards him and about him, some in a negative way, some in a positive way. Some viewed him, as we said, incorrectly, some correctly. But regardless of what people thought of him, the point of verse 8 is to say that he endured and continued serving the Lord. Public opinion didn't sway Paul from his ministry or his message, whether the public opinion was good or whether it was negative. He didn't change his message. He didn't change his lifestyle. He just continued doing what God wanted him to do. He persevered because Paul was most concerned about our Lord's opinion of him, not people's. He lived to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. However, in verses 9 and 10, he presents another type of trial. In verse 9, Paul presents a series of contrasts. They're, they're somewhat paradoxical too, but the contrasts are between what people thought he was and what he really was. In other words, he tells us, here's the human perception of me on the one hand, but on the other hand, here's the divine reality. Here's what people think about me. Here's what God says about me. And what makes this a trial is that everyone wants to be well thought of. When people tell me, well, I don't care what people think about me, that's not true. You wouldn't be human if you didn't care what people thought about you. Now, there's a difference between compromising Scripture to get people to think well of you, but everybody would like people to think highly of them. So this is a trial, and yet when we serve Christ, we can expect, and I can assure you, that there will be misunderstandings, there will be people who will misinterpret our actions, and as in the case of Christ, they will make inaccurate conclusions about our lives and it hurts especially when it comes from believers. With unbelievers, we understand a little bit more, but uh, with, with believers who misjudge us and have the wrong view about us, it does hurt. It is a trial, 
And yet, like Paul, we just endure. We continue to serve Christ, not distracted by these things. What do we do? We entrust ourselves to the Lord who judges righteously and faithfully. He knows all about us. So this morning, as we conclude our study of this list of difficulties, Paul faced the final trial. If you're taking notes, if you've gone through all of this and taking notes, it is the trial of human perception. The trial of human perception. I think you'll find that this is a rich portion of Scripture and uh, wonderful, wonderful truths. Let's begin in verse 9. He says, as unknown and yet well-known. As unknown and yet well-known. What does he mean by that? As the false teachers looked at Paul's life and his ministry, they concluded that he was an obscure nobody. Yes, the great apostle Paul, the man that we admire, they said he's a nobody. They said he's an unknown, not someone highly recognized in in knowledgeable religious circles. In essence, they charged him with not being famous. He wasn't one of them. He, He wasn't in the religiously elite crowd anymore. He wasn't someone worth listening to. In our day and age, we would say, over here you have religious leaders who are in who's who in America. Over here you have Paul who's in who's he in America. I mean, that, that's sort of the thought. Who, who cares? You're a nobody. You're insignificant. You're irrelevant. Now, the irony of this, and it is complete irony, is that before Paul's conversion to Christ, he was very well known in Jewish religious circles. Let's, let's look at that. Let's look. One book uh, beyond 2 Corinthians is Galatians. And let's see what Paul had to say about his former life and that he was not a, a, an unknown then in Galatians chapter 1. It's just the next book over from 2 Corinthians, verse 13. Paul tells them, and he tells them this because these, these people were now dabbling in the law. They were going back to, to the Jewish ceremonial law of the Old Testament, which the Bible says were, were no longer under, and they were trusting in law for their salvation. And Paul says, For you've heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. You understand that in my former life, I was a persecutor. I hated the church. And watch this in verse 14. He says, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Paul is telling us, that in Jewish circles, he was in the who's who. He was at the the top of the list. He was advancing. He would have been the the leader of leaders. He says in Philippians chapter 3 that he was zealous for the law, that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, that he, he outwardly kept the ceremonial laws. Paul had once been the brilliant and young, ambitious Pharisee known as Saul from the town of Tarsus. He had achieved considerable fame amongst his people. When he came into Jerusalem, they all knew about Saul of Tarsus. Everyone knew of Saul. He must have been in the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling religious body in Jerusalem. But when he came to faith in Christ, that all changed because he turned his back on the things that he he once thought were important And the things that he once thought were gained to him, he said, those things I consider like rubbish now. Whatever was gained to me is nothing. Nothing. I've gained Christ. I don't need that other stuff. And he became, he went from being an elite 
religious somebody to a despised preacher of a despised and crucified Messiah. In the eyes of the Jewish religious elite, he was now ignored. He was unnoticed. There was a new generation of Jewish leaders who had come up and they didn't care about Paul anymore. He just wasn't a person worth listening to. Paul went from being a religious aristocrat to being a nobody in those circles. And how far the Apostle Paul had fallen from being a well-respected leader in the Jewish community to, to what he was considered today, I think is illustrated in his first letter, 1 Corinthians 4. Let's go back there and you'll be amazed at how Paul and the other apostles were considered in the world. We admire them today. We, we name cities and churches after men like this. We write books about them. We, we put the word saint before them, but not so in Paul's day. Now, in 1 Corinthians 4, I must tell you, Paul is being very sarcastic to the Corinthians. They were proud people. They wanted everybody to applaud them. They thought they were better than others. And Paul is, it's just oozing and dripping with sarcasm. You'll see what I mean by this. He says in verse 8, you are already filled. You become rich. You become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become king so that we also might reign with you. He said, oh, you're, you're listed as nobility. You think of yourself as so wonderful and, and kings. I, I wish we could be like that. It's just sarcastic. And then he says, here's, here's the way we're considered. Here's the way all Christians are looked upon by society, but especially the apostles. For I think God has exhibited us apostles, last of all, as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. He said, everybody's looking at us. We've been put on exhibit by God, and here's what they see. We're fools for Christ's sake, but you're prudent in Christ. We're weak, but you're strong. You're distinguished, and we're without honor. To this present hour, we're both hungry and we're thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. And we toil working with our own hands. When we're reviled, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure. When we're slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. So I said, Paul was just being sarcastic as far as you Corinthians think you're so great. Let me tell you what, we're, what we are really like. That's how far Paul had fallen. He was considered by the general populace as worthless, as someone condemned, as a fool, as weak. He said, we are the scum of society. No nobility. No one uh, writing books about you. No one naming cities after you. He said, this is what we are. This is what we become. Now, let me tell you something, that this is a wonderful truth for us to get hold of, because if you are determined to follow Christ, you'll be thought of that way as well. You will not be respected for your Bible knowledge. You'll not be considered someone who is so well-versed in evangelical truth. You will not be considered like that. You will not be respected by the world. And some of you face that even in, even in your own home where you're married to someone who's not a believer and you may be uh, esteemed in, in our church and you may have a, a position of responsibility, but at home it's sort of like you don't know what you're talking about. You don't, you don't, you don't have anything to say of, of value. And you witness to people uh, and, and they don't care what you have to say. Who are you? Who are you to tell me about this? Listen, that's reality. We are not thought of highly in, in the world's eyes. And, and Jesus told us, he warned us, 
He said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. Why? Because if everybody's speaking well of you, he means the world. If everybody in the world's speaking well of you, obviously you're compromising the truths of scripture because the world hates God and hates his word. So you can't have everybody speak well of you. We'd like that, but that's not reality. You will be considered as a religious nobody, just a dinosaur from a past era that, that passed away and gave way to a more enlightened religious thinking. Considered nobody. I remember witnessing to my mom years ago, and one of many times that I was sharing with her about Christ, and she said to me, she said, Stephen, let me ask you this. If this is true, if what you're telling me is true, then tell me this, why don't our rabbis believe this? You know what she was really saying? She was saying, I love you, but who are you? Who are you? We have men who study, of course, they're not studying the scriptures, they're studying commentaries about the scriptures, but in her mind, the thinking is, look, we have learned rabbis who study this stuff all day long. In fact, that's all they do. And you, 18 years old, a nobody, are telling me that this is the truth. You found the truth? Well, that, that's really what she was saying. Who, who do you think you are to stand against the religious nobility of our belief system? See, this is really a blow to our pride. It is a blow to our pride, but it's a good blow to our pride. It's a good blow. Let me take you to Hebrews chapter 11. I just want you to see how... We cannot be respected by the world. We, 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 so many Christians try to be, and they want the world's approval. It's just not going to happen. It really shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. But Hebrews chapter 11, after explaining and listing, the, the writer here lists about the wonderful men and women of faith who trusted God. Then he speaks about others who were not highly esteemed. And, and notice what he says in verse 36. He said, and others experienced mockings. These are Old Testament men and women of faith. Mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Could you imagine that? We believe tradition says that Isaiah was put in a hollow trunk of a tree and sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. And then I love, this is the verse, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and, and holes in the ground. These were great men, and the world didn't even know it. The world couldn't even give them uh, proper homes to live in. They wandered in caves and deserts. And now we look back and we, we admire them and esteem them, but in their own day, they were not esteemed. They were not admired. And that's the way it's going to be with us. And you need to come to grips with that and not try to impress people of the world. If they're impressed with you, something's wrong with your message or lifestyle. I read that uh, back in the early days of the Salvation Army, William Booth and his associates in the movement were fiercely criticized by religious and government leaders alike. But whenever his son would show Booth another newspaper article full of criticisms and false accusations, Booth would reply, Fifty years hence, it will matter very little indeed how these people treated us. It will matter a great deal how we dealt with the work of God. Or as my wife's dad used to tell her when, as a little girl growing up on the farm, she was crying over a skinned knee, If you don't tell your grandkids, they'll probably never know. Taking the long view really does help. Thanks for joining us today. 
You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air led by Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're looking for a church home in Clearwater, you'd be most welcome at Lakeside. Find out more by calling 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. As we approach the conclusion of this series, let me remind you that it's easy to catch up if you've missed any of our broadcasts. Just go online to versebyverseradio.org and click the Message Archive link. Then search for the date you missed. All of our previous programs are available for streaming or download at no charge. If you would like to help finance these broadcasts, that's also easy to do on our giving page. Call Lakeside at the number I just gave you, 727-441-1714. Or visit www.versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. Here's something to ponder before our next study. Do you think it bothered the Apostle Paul when people accused him of being a false apostle and having selfish motives? Did their opinions hurt him? Of course they did, but not as much as if God had been the one dissatisfied. That's the opinion that really counts. Join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve shares some encouraging thoughts reminding us that the Lord himself knows us intimately and loves us deeply no matter what people say about us. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.